If you have your Bibles today, I want you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 3. And we're going to read from verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an incorruptible or to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. I want to speak to you today on positive expectations, positive expectations. Heavenly Father, as we come to you today, thank you for your word, that your word once again comes into the life of every person watching, Lord, whether it be at home, in the workplace, wherever it may be. I want to thank you that you said your word would not return void unto you, but that your word would accomplish all that it has been sent out to accomplish and, and that your word would prosper in our lives. Let your word prosper in marriages. Let your word prosper in families. Let your word that comes to us today prosper in businesses. Lord, wherever we may find ourselves, I thank you that the entrance of your word brings light and it gives understanding to the simple. And I thank you today that even as the Word comes, God, that a hearing by the Word, faith comes today. I thank you for the spirit of faith that rises in the hearts of men and women today, and we give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor in Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. I want to talk to you today about hope. And I want to say that right from the onset that there is a huge difference between Bible hope as opposed to the hope that is in the world. Actually, the Scriptures declare that without God, there is no hope. Without God. That's what Ephesians 2 and 12 says. Having no hope without God in the world. So without God, there is no hope. And I like what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, without Christ, there is no hope. So the world's view of hope actually implies no certainty with little possibility. And it's kind of like trying to win the lottery without a ticket. But I'm here to tell you today, family, that hope is very important, and especially Bible hope, biblical hope. It is possible, they tell me, for a person to live up to 70 days without food. It is possible to exist nearly 10 days without water, and it's possible to live up to six minutes without air, but it is impossible to live for even one second without hope. The Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible says that hope is an expectation or a belief in the fulfillment of something desired. The New Bible Dictionary says hope is believing in the living God who acts and intervenes in human life and who can be trusted to implement His promises. It goes on to say that this kind of a hope is not dependent upon what a man possesses or upon what he may be able to do for himself or what other human beings can do for him. 
Abraham, if you think about Abraham and Sarah, Abraham found himself in a situation where there was nothing for him to justify his hope that Sarah would give birth to a son. But because he believed in God, he could in hope believe against hope. So hope means that even though you and I might be in a place of difficulty or hardship, the best is still to be. And my hope is increased, and your hope is increased, as we reflect on and meditate on the activities of God that we see in the Scriptures. In other words, it is the unwavering confidence that I have based on God and His Word with the resultant end being the expectation of good. Hallelujah. There are some quotes that I'd like to speak to you, and the first goes like this. There is no medicine like hope, no incentive so great, no tonic so powerful as the expectation of something better tomorrow. A famous American cardiologist said in his autobiography, hope is the medicine I use more than any other. Hope can cure nearly everything. Somebody said that hope is the major weapon against the suicide impulse. I like what G.K. Chesterton said once. He said, there is one thing which gives radiance to everything. It is the idea of something around the corner. Hope. H-O-P-E. I like to think of hope as being an acronym for having only positive expectations. Hope, H-O-P-E. If there's one thing that we, read that we need right now, it is hope having only positive expectation. Not just an expectation, but a positive expectation. And in this scripture, Paul writes and tells us that we don't just have any kind of hope. No, he says that we have a living hope. In the New Living Translation, it says that we live with great expectation. The Passion Translation says that we, we have a living, energetic hope. A living, energetic hope. But why is it a living hope? That's what the New King James Version says. I'm going to give you four reasons why I believe Peter writes and says it's not just a hope, it's a living hope. And the first reason is because of God's abundant mercy. Let's read that in verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy... So it's not just mercy, but it's abundant. And that word abundant means out of the ordinary. It means remarkable. It means overflowing. It means plentiful, glad. I'm so glad today that God doesn't come with just a handful of mercy. And then you know what? We run out of it, and He runs out of it, and then there's a problem in heaven. No, there are copious, never-ending amounts of mercy. And there is mercy for every single soul, every single person that is watching right now. Right now, there is copious amounts. There is a plentiful amount of mercy coming to you and I. Lamentations 3:22 in the ESV Bible says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end, and they are new every morning. 
Hallelujah. You know, the grace and mercy of God is actually the goodness of God that is manifested to us. And you've heard me say it, and I want to say it again. I'm going to say it right now, that we serve a good God who desires to do good things for you and me. So that means that the basis of my hope is, is, is what makes this living hope. It's the basis of my hope. It doesn't lie in how put together I am or how perfect I think I am or how righteous I think I, I am. The basis of my hope being a living hope lies in the abundance of God's mercy. And this mercy comes to you and I, even while we were still sinners and we got wonderfully born again by the Spirit of God. And still today as believers, we are what we are because of the mercy and the grace of God. I like what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 and 10. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Hallelujah. So it's the abundant mercy that causes this hope, not just to be a hope, but to be a living hope on the inside of you and I. Number two, why is it a living hope? Because, let me tell you, because Jesus is alive. That's what verse 3, let's read it there, verse 3 again, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Family, that's the fundamental difference between Christianity and every other faith that is out there, is that there was a man who was born, he lived, and then he died, and then he came back to life again. And now this Jesus lives forever, seated at the right hand of the Father, where he is right now praying for you and for me. And I'm here to tell you that we serve a living, loving Savior who was dead, but three days later, by the power of the Holy Spirit, was raised back to life again. And so the tomb is empty, and Jesus is alive. And because of the resurrection, we have been born again to a living hope. That means that I and you have not just a hope, but it's a living hope. Number three, why is it a living hope? It's a living hope because of the inheritance that we have and because of the nature of that inheritance. Let's look at it one more time. There it is in verse 3, 1 Peter 1. That's going to be our scripture for today. 1 Peter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His, his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Here it comes, to an inheritance. And he says this inheritance is incorruptible, it's undefiled, it doesn't fade away, and it's reserved in heaven for you and for me. I was thinking a little bit about that word inheritance, and I was thinking about, you know, when people are about to retire, and you talk about retirement. And isn't it wonderful that when you retire, 
maybe you've developed a portfolio and you've got a lot of money in your bank account and you've got everything taken care of, everything's been paid for you, you've got your house that's been paid for, you've got your car that's been paid for, and so you're about to go on retirement and you know that you, know, you can go on vacations maybe, you can go on boat cruises, you can go on shopping, you know, and so you, you can look forward to a great retirement. You can afford to live it up. Even though you may be retiring, it's not the end. There is something to look forward to because your inheritance is a good one. There is light at the end of the tunnel. That means that your hope is strong, not weak. This is what we call a living hope. Quite the contrary, if your inheritance is a poor one then you really have nothing to look forward to. And everything looks bleak and dismal, and you're not sure if you're going to make it, and you can't see light at the end of the tunnel. That means that your hope is weak or dead. But Peter says, we have not a dead hope, we have a living hope, hallelujah. And he says something about our inheritance. Not only do we have a good inheritance that enables us to have the expectation of good, an, ex, an inheritance with only positive expectations, but he says this inheritance is also, it is incorruptible. That means not liable to corruption. It means without decay. It means not able to perish, not subject to breakage. It means that it is untouched, an inheritance that is untouched by the scent of this world. You know, the whole of creation is actually subject to futility. That's what Romans tells us. And the whole of creation, Romans teaches us, is waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. And what a day that will be. What a glorious day when Jesus comes back again. And if we are alive and well, then the Bible says that mortality, these bodies, will be given over to immortalities, and we will forever be incorruptible. But right now, we are wrapped up in this human flesh, and we are subject to the scent of this world. And each and every day, our bodies are aging, but not so with our inheritance family. In other words, whatever happens in the world, our inheritance remains untouched and unaffected. And so your inheritance, my inheritance, is incorruptible. That gives us living hope. But he says it's not only incorruptible, it is undefiled. That word means unsoiled. It means pure. It means sincere. In other words, it's an inheritance that is reserved just for you. In other words, an inheritance that has your name, your fingerprints, and can only be accessed by you. Boy, I tell you what, that's an incredible thought. He says the inheritance that you have is incorruptible, it's undefiled, and it's also a, an inheritance that does not fade away. That comes from the word amaranth, which was a mythical flower whose bloom was perpetual and whose loveliness never faded. And Peter says, you know what, something about this living hope, it, is, it never fades away. It is perpetual. It is a hope that is always running, over, always overflowing, and whose beauty never fades away. 
And then he says it's an inheritance, not only that is incorruptible, undefiled, doesn't fade away, but it's reserved in heaven. In other words, it's safely guarded by heaven just for you and for me. And the fourth reason why this is a living hope, all right, is because we are safely guarded. Here in verse 5, or let's read from verse 4, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. And it says, verse 5, who are kept, who are kept by the power of God through faith. Hallelujah. So, a living hope is a living hope. Why? Because there's abundant mercy, because Jesus is alive, because we have an inheritance, and not just any inheritance, all right? And then he says, number three, because, you know, you and I are safely guarded. And I've been saying, and I want to say it again, I've been saying it in the past weeks, that God has invested way too much in you and I. He's given us His Word. He's given us Jesus. He's given us His Holy Spirit. He's given us the family of God. Let me tell you, those of you that are watching today, the work of redemption was too costly for God to see us come through to nothing. Whilst we're living on this earth, wrapped up in this body of flesh, He tells us we have a living hope. Hallelujah. In other words, hope that is working in us by the Holy Ghost. A hope that is kept alive because of resurrection life. And that hope is keeping you and I. In other words, family, God is not going to let you and I fail. God is not going to allow your demise, neither your destruction. I want to tell you, as long as you have breath in your lungs, you have a living hope. Are you hearing me today? As long as you have His Word on the inside of you, you have a living hope. As long as you are yielded to the Holy Ghost, you have a living hope. As long as we have the opportunity of lifting up our hands and worshiping and singing the high praises of God, we have a living hope. And I'm here to tell you that that living hope is governed by the power of God. And then in verse 5, it says that, 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 that He has kept you. It is keeping you. Let's look at it again in verse 5. What does it say there? It says, who are kept by the power of God. There, in other words, there is a keeping. God is keeping you. In other words, God has got your back. I don't know what you might be going through, but I'm here to tell you today that God has got your back. He's watching over you. He's protecting you. He's guarding you. He's leading you. He's filling you. He's surrounding you. He's providing for you, and He is loving you. But do you know that being kept involves two things? In other words, you are kept by the working of God's power, which means that God Himself is working on your part, and you are kept by the working of your faith, by the working of your faith. In other words, that you are working your faith together with the power of God. The two go hand in hand, the power of God and the working of your faith. And what is the result? Hope, H-O-P-E, having only positive expectations. The purpose of the power of God is to heal, 
to deliver, to set free, to bring about a positive, a good, and a pleasant outcome, a blessed outcome. The purpose of our faith is to unlock the goodness of God. Everything that Jesus did on the cross, your faith and my faith, and the working of our faith has the ability to unlock all of that. And what is the outcome of our faith? Hope. In other words, it is impossible to have the working of the power of God and the working of your faith and not have a living hope, a hope having only positive expectations. The Bible is a story of hope. You can't read it and not have H-O-P-E, having only positive expectations. Hallelujah. Hope is having expectation of that which is good and positive based on the certainty of His Word. Family, all of the promises of God are yes and amen for each and every one of you. Now, how do you access these promises? by the working of your faith that is fueled by the power of God. That means that my faith fuels my hope, and my hope fuels my faith, and what is the result? I go through life, H-O-P-E, having only positive expectations. Hallelujah. I don't know, we've been in lockdown now for I think well over maybe 80 days. I think it's 90, close to 90 days. But if my faith is fueling my hope and my hope is fueling my faith, then I have only positive expectations. They told me that businesses are shutting down and the economy is in recession. But I'm here to tell you that if my faith is fueling my hope and my hope is fueling my faith, then what will be my outcome? Having only positive expectations. Hallelujah. Doesn't matter what people are saying. Doesn't matter what the economist is saying. People are entitled to their opinions. But what is greater than the opinion of men? It's God's Word. That's God's opinion to you and me. And the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. You see, when you incline yourself towards the opinion of man, you are placing yourself in the ability of man. And as you know, man's ability are limited. But when you incline yourself towards the opinions of God and you hearken to His Word and you hearken to His voice, then you are placing yourself in the abilities of God. And God's abilities are limitless. And there is nothing that can stop the abilities of God from working in your life. And this is what gives you and I living hope. H-O-P-E, having only positive expectations. Do you know the greatest enemy of man isn't death? It isn't the disease. It isn't COVID-19. I'll tell you what it is. It's despair and hopelessness, the absence of hope. But today... As I come to you and as this word comes to you today, you and I have living hope, having only positive expectations. I want to end by saying this. The greatest believers are the greatest hopers, and the greatest hopers make the greatest believers. 
Hallelujah. I don't know what it is that you've been going through, but I'm here to tell you, man, come on. Get your eyes off the world. Get your eyes off man. Get your eyes off the problem. We have not just a hope, but a living hope. Why? Because there is an abundance of mercy. Thank God for His grace. Thank God for His mercy. You see, I say that because our hope is not founded on what I can bring to the table, on my, on my IQ and my education levels and my social levels and, and my giftings and abilities. No, my hope lies on the fact, man, that I'm relying totally on God, on who this God is and the Word of God as well. And the Bible says heaven and earth may pass away, but God's Word will never, ever pass away. And today, that living hope comes to you. And that hope is found in a person. You, it's impossible to have hope without God, and it's impossible to have God without having Jesus Christ. 2,000 years ago, He came in the form of a human being and took our sins, took our failures upon himself. And on that cross, he was crucified. He that knew no sin was made to know you're in my sin. And therein is the abundance of God's mercy, the abundance, the richness of God's grace and mercy today. And grace simply means I, I didn't deserve it. I didn't do anything that would merit God loving me and forgiving me. No, God first loved me. First, first, the response came from heaven. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And today, friend, maybe I don't know where you're finding yourself. If you're hopeless, it means you have no hope. And if you have no hope, Maybe it's because you don't have the person, Jesus Christ. Without God, there is no hope. That's what the Bible teaches. But today, I want to tell you that there is a God who loves you and who desires for you and I to have the expectation of good, to have only positive expectations. Why do you say that, Pastor? Because we serve a good God who desires to do good things for you. And maybe you're saying, well, I don't feel righteous enough. I don't feel like I qualify for God's goodness. Well, actually, we don't. And that's why we have the cross, and that's why we have the thing called grace and mercy. And right now, you're away from God. And you know, as I've been speaking, that the fundamental thing is without God, there can be no hope. With God, there is hope. Come on, with God there is hope. And with that hope comes the opportunity of a new life, a new beginning. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 that if any man or any woman be in Christ, he is a brand new creature. The old things have passed away. That's the beautiful thing about the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God that He cleanses and washes and the Bible says He takes all of our sins and drops them in the sea of forgetfulness, never to remember them again. I know that you're in that place today, ready to invite Jesus Christ. Maybe you did a while back, but things have slipped for whatever reason. But today, I want to invite you to pray this prayer, all right? Would you say with me, Heavenly Father, 
I come today in Jesus' name. Just as I am with all of my faults, all of my failures, right now I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for your abundant mercy, your grace. And right now, I receive forgiveness of all of my sins. I am born again, made new. I am made alive unto you today. Thank you for your amazing love. I am your child, and I'll never be the same again. In Jesus' name. I'd like to pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, those who prayed that prayer in the name of Jesus, I pray that it wouldn't just be just an ordinary prayer or something that they've recited, but I pray that it would have come from the heart that there is a sincerity right now in that prayer and what they have declared. And I pray that you would make yourself real in this very moment, wherever that person or persons are finding themselves, let the reality of your love and your presence overwhelm them. And I thank you right now that every bondage of heaviness, depression is broken. The burden of sin is broken. The burden of guilt and shame and embarrassment is broken in Jesus' mighty name. Now, those of you that have been watching today, you're a child of God. And uh, I know that for many, this pandemic, this COVID-19 has been intense, pretty overwhelming. You know, if you just listen to what's happening out there, there's a lot of terrible things happening out there. In fact, the statistics, the statistics I've got concerning suicides that the number of suicides far outweigh the number of deaths from COVID-19. And that tells me there's a lot of people out there that are under the spirit of depression, oppression. In other words, there is despair out there. There is hopelessness out there. And maybe that hopelessness has been knocking on the door of your home, of your life, of your business of your marriage. You're a child of God, but right now you've been overwhelmed by that sense of despair, like as if God has forgotten you. I'm here to remind you, to encourage you that God has not forgotten you. No, no, that's just a lie from the pit of hell. We've got to be so careful to what we are hearing, what we are watching, who it is that we are surrounding ourselves with, Beloved family, come on, I want to encourage you right now. You've got to be so careful in these precarious times right now because there's just so much happening. If you look everywhere right now, it's almost like the world has gone bonkers. The world has gone crazy right now. And it's almost like what is good is wrong and what is wrong has become right. That's the world right now. And that is the worldly system. But I want to tell you there is a higher system there's God's economy. There's God's kingdom. There's God's way of doing it. And God said in His Word, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And I want to pray for you. I want to speak words of encouragement. Come on. You have come too far to give up right now. Like I said to you, God's got your back, man. 
He's keeping you by the working of His power and by the working of your faith. Maybe you haven't been working your faith. Mm. Maybe you've been working your doubt. Maybe you've been working your unbelief and you've just allowed anything to come. And so that's just, you know, brought in doubt and unbelief. And that's why perhaps you're in a place of despair and hopelessness. And I, I'm not coming down on you. I'm just, I'm just here to pick you up, really. I'm here to stand alongside you, to pray with you, to encourage you. Come on, the Bible says, if any two of us agree on earth concerning anything that we ask, that it shall be done for us by our Father which is in heaven. I'm here to tell you, you don't have a, just any kind of a hope. It's a living hope. This is not a, a hope to win the lottery, but I don't have the ticket kind of a hope. It's a living hope. It is the certainty that you have based on the solidity of God's Word. Let me tell you, if God promised it, then you can stake your life on it, that His promises are yes and amen to every one of you. So right now, Father, I come against every spirit of despair and heaviness right now, even the spirit of hopelessness that has lied to people and said, throw the towel in, give it up in the name of Jesus right now. No, 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 we're not going to stand for that. Lord, as I stand together with men and women of God right now, and I might not know what they're going through, Lord, but you know what they're going through. And the most important thing is you promised in this book that you would keep us, God. You would keep us, even though there might be all hell breaking loose out there and whatever is happening, God, I thank you that you are preserving us that you are keeping watch over us, that you have your angels concerning us. God, I thank you that you have spoken words over people's lives. And the seed of that promise, I declare, shall surely come to pass. Lord, I thank you that you've given people dreams and visions and visitations, and there have been encounters where men and women of God have had mountaintop experiences. I want to thank you, Lord, that, that you have not forgotten about those. And I want to say, surely shall not those promises come to pass. Yea, for the Lord would say, even as I've spoken my word concerning you, concerning your business, shall I not surely cause my word to come to pass? Therefore, do not be dismayed. Do not be uh, disarrayed. Do not allow disorder or chaos to come. Lift up your hands. Lift up your heart. Lift up your face. Put back your shoulders, says the Spirit of the Lord. For surely have I not placed my hand upon you? Did I not protect you yesterday? Did, not, did I not protect you in times gone by? And shall I not protect you even now today? And shall I not even watch over you to see that my word is performed concerning your life for the tomorrow that come, yea, I am the Lord your God, and I will surely perform every word, every promise that I've spoken concerning you shall surely come to pass in Jesus' name. I believe that the Lord has spoken that word concerning you, whoever you are. You're a child of God, and I just feel right now that there is a boldness coming upon you right now that you need to shrug off that heaviness. You need to shrug off that despair. You need to pay no attention to that, that, that place of hopelessness right now. For some of you, I see it's like you're throwing off an old garment. God's putting on a brand new garment. 
It is a garment of many colors. Hallelujah. What does that mean? It means the many varied blessings, the many varied opportunities that God has in store for you today. And so, Father, right now, I bring every person in the name of Jesus. I feel your presence coming into every home, into every family, into every business right now right now, that there is power and agreement. I want to thank you for the anointing of your word. I thank you for your presence today. Your presence right now. There are people that are being unshackled right now. Being unshackled. Being unshackled right now. God, you're unshackling us from shame. You're unshackling us from embarrassment. In the mighty name of Jesus, I declare that your God has not forgotten you. Not forgotten you. I don't know who I'm speaking to, but today I'm here to tell you, your God, your God has not forgotten you. So, Father, we bless all of these wonderful people right now. Thank you for your word in Jesus' mighty name. Hope, it's a living hope having only positive expectations. Family, once again, thank you for the awesome privilege of coming into your homes. Don't forget 10 o'clock. Fathers, we want to treat you to a phenomenal time. Beautiful cappuccino. We have a gift and a prayer that we're going to declare over each and every one of you. Also, if you pray that prayer of, for asking Jesus to come into your life, all right, we'd love to just spend a bit of time with you. We'd actually like to meet with you afterwards and just pray with you. So if you can, if you did pray that prayer and you, there's no need to feel embarrassed or ashamed, but if you prayed that prayer, hey, we, we, are, we want to rejoice with you. I mean, all of heaven is rejoicing and we want to rejoice with you. Wherever you're watching from, whatever town, whatever city, whatever country, won't you just let us know? Give us your email address just so that we can Zoom in with you to make sure that all is well, to make sure that you're encouraged, to make sure that you have what you need, to make sure that we can serve you as best as we can, all right? So we look forward to that. And I've really loved coming into your homes. Once again, fathers from all of us, have a phenomenal, happy Father's Day. From all of us, bye-bye.